0: Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Hi, I'm Kezia. I'm a stroke survivor and a member of BIND. And hi,
1: I'm Carrie, a stroke survivor and a member of BIND as well. And today we are welcoming Lee Richardson, who is the founder and clinical director for the Brain Performance Center and has studied human behavior for over 30 years. She is also the host of her own podcast, In the Head with Lee Richardson, and just happens to also be a TBI survivor. So Lee, welcome today.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I guess just to get started, tell us a little bit about you.
2: Well, I have a different understanding of brain injury than someone maybe on the street does. When I have twin boys that are turning 35 this month, and when they were in the second grade, one got hit by a car, the other one watched, and of course we went to the emergency room. He didn't lose consciousness. We went to the emergency room, and they said he's had a concussion, but he's fine. If this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen, he's fine. So we thought he was fine until he got to fifth grade. When he got to fifth grade, he came to me and he said, Mom, you have to help me. My brain is broke. And my response was, oh honey, fifth grade's a hard year. And he said, Mom, you're not listening to me. And he was right. So I said, okay, sit down. And we talked and the more I listened to him, I realized he thinks he's got this figured out. So I said, well, what do you think's going on? He said, well, I've been on the internet mm-hmm. and I am sure I have ADHD. At that point in time, I had never heard of ADHD. Uh, my first life was in human resources. I was running my own human resource consulting business. So I said, I got this, I'll go to the school. I go to the school, I talk to the counselor. I said, my son thinks he has ADHD and she said, no your son does not have ADHD, he's never failed anything, he's never been a behavior problem, your kid's lazy. I said, okay, my son wants help. What can I do to help him? And she said, put him on Ritalin. And my response was, well, you just told me there's nothing wrong with my kid, so why would I give my kid speed? And the answer was, that's all you can do. And that's when I really started my journey to to figure out what I could do to help him. I found a neurologist, Dr. Walker, and he was doing neurofeedback. And you know, back then it was old school neurofeedback. This was like in 2003, and it, it took a lot more sessions. But you know, once I started to see my son's confidence improve, I thought, well, maybe this can help me. I've been in ICU twice with brain injury. And at this point in time, I had only had one brain injury, and I had lost my sense of smell. And when I came out of the hospital, the neuro- out of ICU, the neurologist said, there's nothing you can do about it, you, you know, your sense of smell is gone. And at that point in time, those twins were two years old, I had to see, I had to hear. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, losing your sense of smell is a lot is a lot more complicated than that. There's more emotional memories tied with smell. Smell plays is a much bigger sense than we, I appreciated at the time. So I'm there twice a week. And I said, Well, maybe I should try this. Do you think I could get my sense of smell back? And Dr. Walker's like, I don't know. I said, Well, I'm going to try it. So we did the brain map and looking at looking at the brain map when we're going over it. He said, Well, How's your visual processing which is done in the very back of your head i said oh it's great i love people magazine i read it all the time (laughs) and he said well okay do you read anything else and i said well you know i really haven't read since i had my kids because i had just finished an mba program i had just finished a leadership development program i had my kids twins who has time to read. So he's like, Okay, so I did the the brain training and I got my sense of smell back, which was amazing. But what what I noticed right away was I started reading books, I hadn't read books in years. And that was my visual processing. So that was a, a game changer for me. I figured out what I was gonna do. I figured out I'd get my, go to UNT and do my didactic training. My undergrad was sufficient to get me started and do an, an internship with him, and then get board certified, which I did in 2005. And I ended up working for him until 2005, from 2005 until 2009. Great guy, loving, still good mm-hmm. friends. But I wanted to do other things. I wanted to bring other things in. I wanted to bring at that point in time, like these people got to talk about it. I need to get mm-hmm. certified as a coach. OK, so I did. And then I wanted to do biofeedback. And there was so much I wanted to do. And he would laugh. And he would say, well, when you start strong practice, you can do all of that. <laughs> I don't think he ever thought I would. Right. But in 2009, I was in grad school for counseling. I had realized that the coaching wasn't going to be sufficient. So I was in grad school for counseling, had completed all my coursework. All I had to do was take the national counseling licensing exam. One Saturday night, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom. And I slipped on my robe that I had left on the floor and hit my head on the floor and immediately my husband says we're going to the emergency room I said I am not going to the emergency room on a Saturday night it's wild and crazy mm-hmm. he said will you go in the morning I said yes so we get up and we go we get there and they do a cat scan and stuff and they look at me so well you can't stay here and I was like see told you told you I didn't need to be here and mm-hmm. they said oh no you need to be at a hospital where there's a neurosurgeon you have a blade, a brain bleed. Oh, wow. And at any point, you may need surgery. So I did. And of course, I got through that. But when I came out of that, I my memory was next to nothing. All I had to do was take the National Counseling licensing exam. And I couldn't remember hardly anything. So did some research and figured out well, I need to learn whole brain training. And Dr. Walker did not want to learn whole brain training. So, I learned it myself, and- In the
1: midst of a brain injury.
2: In the midst of a brain injury, and uh, got my sense of memory back. And then in 2009, I started my own practice. And I had a a neurologist as a medical director, and followed down that path, he and I had such big dreams, Dr. Roroki. We were gonna form Timri, Texas Integrated Medical Research Institute. Mm he lived in the insurance world, and I lived in the cash world. And he thought that he could push, you know, people would want to come over and do it. And they didn't. And in 2011, I said, you know, he love you, still love him. But I'm changing my model, I'm changing to a behavioral model, or behavioral health model. And so it's really evolved. But when I've seen one of what brain injury can do. And one of the first ladies that joined me was a lady that I had worked with her son back in 2007 at Dr. Walker's. When he was 16 years old, they thought he had a sinus infection and he had encephalopathy. He went into the hospital. He went into a coma. He was in a coma for over six months. Everyone told her that she needed to let go. And she refused to. He had to learn to crawl again, walk again, eat, chew again, swallow again, and he did. And when he got to the point in 2007 where he was ready to work on his brain, they came and I i was the primary person that worked with him on his neurotherapy, and we made great progress. Yeah. And off he goes to Austin. <laughs> in 2009, when I had started my own practice, my phone rings, and this hysterical woman Miss Lee, Miss Lee, you have to help me you have to help me. And I'm like, Okay, I'll help you. But who is this? Yeah. And she said, it's Sally Koken. I'm like, Oh, my gosh, Sally. So she brought her son over, we got him back where he needed to be. And she had learned so much as I'm sure both of you ladies, and everyone that that's a member of buying knows, you learn so much in your healing process. And I said, you have got to share your knowledge. So she joined me and she got board certified. And she's been the my primary partner in crime ever since then. So I've learned from her, I continue to learn from clients that come in that have had brain injury. And what I think the hardest thing for me to accept was, is that it just things just quit working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It just quit working. Yeah. And you know, we all wanna fix it. I can fix this, I can fix. It. And the good news is, is you can fix it, right. but you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that was hardest for me. But I so wanted to get that license as a professional counselor. I started researching, what am I gonna do? How am I oh, gonna get my. my memory back? First thing you see on the internet is supplements. Right. So after trying like, four different supplements. And I'm like, well, I don't remember, I don't even remember what supplement I took today. <laughs> that wasn't working. right? And so it made me get more adventuresome and try to figure out what would right. Yeah, I think your story is extre-
0: extremely like inspiring, because it started off with your, your kids, your twins, and then it went off to with you. So I think that was really, really interesting that it did that. And also like the, how you got affected and like what, what a brain injury ended up doing to you and your, how you went off to being so empowering here within the uh, brain injury community. That's really cool. Um, so so with your kids, like w- how did that become so inspiring to look on yourself? Because it was, they were kids and it was a car accident. And then for you to look into how, how did that happen? Like, did you just feel like your kids and how they were affected? And was that similar to how you were affected?
2: Well, it, it was pretty different. Because in both in both cases, I did lose consciousness. Mm. And and he did not. But when it's your child, and when it, the, you don't have an, and there's nothing wrong with medication, for a lot of people personally, medication doesn't work for me. You give me an antibiotic and I get a red rash on my face. Mm -hmm. So it's not and never has been my first line of treatment. My kids have taken plenty of medication as have I, but not the very first thing that I could do. Mm -hmm. And that's what really inspired me is that there's got to be something else out there besides synthetic chemicals.
0: Right. So technically, um, both the times that you had a brain injury, they would both be considered concussions? Yes, they, oh, okay. they would be.
2: And in both times, I lost consciousness. Yeah. And which you have a little bit different recovery from. And I think being in fifth grade, or in second grade, when the accident happened, you really don't have the conscious, the cognitive capabilities sure. to realize, I mean, all he knew was this that hurt. I want to go home. I want to see the dog. I, you know, he processed the information very, very differently. And it was amazing to me that I had never really reflected on my visual processing, because I read People magazine. And <laughs> it, you know, it's written at a first grade level. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. I still read People magazine. Right. But it just when you have young kids, the, the amount of reading that you do really does change. And what you read? I mean, good night, right? You're still what, reading
1: at a first grade, second grade yeah. level. Yeah,
2: and I enjoyed it, so it never really occurred on me until they, when they were in kindergarten, I was, I got a call from the very first guy that had hired me with Exxon in my human resource world, and brought me back, and so I even noticed then, you know, time goes by. The brain has a philosophy, use it or lose it. You're not using those neural pathways. They're shutting down. But without the, it was, that was my philosophy. It said, oh, I just haven't used them in a while and they've shut down. Just getting old. Okay.
1: I'm going to take a quick break and remind our listeners to go ahead and click that like button and continue to keep on liking and clicking when you can. And I want to go back because I'm thinking about this. Your different your experience with brain injury. You've got all kinds of experience, but just your personal experience. So, you had a trip and a fall, lost conscious or not lost consciousness, lost sense of smell. Kind of thought your re- didn't think anything about your reading till later. Then your son has one, and his effects didn't really start to show until his brain finally started maturing. Then you had another fall, and actually ended up with a brain bleed. And did you have any? like residual effects from that one. I mean, you've seen like three different types personally, you know, I mean, as you, as I'm sure you're aware, as we're aware, as we try to tell all our listeners, just because you've met a brain injury doesn't mean you understand brain injury. Every single brain injury person is totally different than the person you talked to five minutes ago.
2: Absolutely. And one of the things I noticed when I came out of the hospital from when I'd lost my sense of smell was I, just nausea just so much in my stomach all the time. And eventually that calmed down. But of course, then instead of just realizing, number one, I was anxious mm. as a result. Right. And I believe the the nausea came from the anxiety, but I didn't realize it. And I think that as you start as that brain starts to calm down, then you you feel like that you're okay, you know, I can figure that out. That increases your confidence, your confidence goes up, your self esteem goes up, your curiosity goes up, you want to learn more, you want to try different things. And that's what I encourage people that have had a brain injury to do is don't quit trying. But take your time and show yourself some grace and be kind to yourself. Because it takes time. And maybe after I got out of ICU the first time, it took me probably a couple of months to stabilize. Then when I went back in ICU when I came out the next time, by the way, I did lose some of my sense of smell after that second concussion. And that's normal. But the recovery from a second concussion is much different from the first. And while I didn't really realize it, because other than that, I was good. But if you when you think about Thanksgiving, I think about last year's Thanksgiving, I can't tell you who sat where I can't <laughs> tell you what they were wearing. Uh, I can tell you is the food what I smelled yes. when I walked in the house. Right who I can tell you who brought the sweet potatoes, who brought the pie. I mean, those are things and that's all that's your that's memory from your sense of smell,
0: right. And I think that you also just mentioned like, um, your great like advice for someone like give yourself some grace some patience, all of that is so great. And I think as someone that had a brain injury, that's a good, great tip. But I also you were also a caregiver as well. Like, do you have a tip for caregivers also to take into consideration and really remember when their family or their neighbor, whoever is really close to their heart, for them to also be taking care of them?
2: Well, that's a very good point. My mom suffered a stroke. Okay. And she came to, you know, to be a much more involved in my life at that point. And I started using my power of observation in a much, to a much higher extent, and just looking, paying attention, is it yes. taking her a little longer today? Does she seem a little bit disheveled today? Does she not know where her keys are today? And not that when I saw those things that I would point them out to her, but yeah. just note so that I could adapt my skill and and my time to, to be able to donate what she needs.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much for that. I think that you were able to give like those two different perspectives, being a caregiver for your mother and your kids, and also being a brain injury survivor. So I really wanna thank you for that, to be able to do that and share all of your experience, which is very different than we've hear, for, heard from other yeah. different guests. No, so it is, so and I also wanna say, I think
1: even just relating adult brain injury survivors back to how you said you talked to your son, I mean, he knew something was wrong with his brain. He didn't know what it was, but he knew something wasn't right, if something was wrong. And I think everyone needs to know that. Adult, child, whatever. If you feel like something's wrong with your brain, well, maybe. Probably
2: is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. I mean, go get it checked. I mean, would you agree? If- I totally agree with that. And, you know, the body keeps score of everything that's going on in your brain. So if you start having all these, like I had started having the nausea and that do you know the different muscle tension and get or you get dizzy or you are you sweat more, whatever is going on in your body relates to what's going on in your brain. Sure. So so pay attention to that.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on to us. I do want to inform all of our listeners that this isn't the only thing you're going to hear from Lee. So I do want to thank you so much for joining us and coming on to this episode. It's been so much great information. And I also want to thank all of our followers to keep on listening and check us out on Thursday. And remember, if you'd like to contact
1: us, you can contest, contact us at bindwaves at thebind.org. You can email us there. You can find us on our website, thebind.org slash bindwaves. And follow us on Instagram. And you can also, we'll have Lee's contact information um, in the show notes, so in the description, so that if you ha- want to learn more about her story, And her experience with the Brain Performance Center, which we're going to get into that some more depth later, Um, we'll have all
0: that information available as well. Yep, and like I said, every Thursday we are going to be up with a new episode, so don't forget, and we are on all of your favorite platforms. So, until next time. Until next time. Hi, I'm Carrie, a Stroke Survivor and BIND member. And I'm Kezia, a stroke survivor and a member of BIND as well. And today we're going to be having our second episode with Lee Richardson, who is a founder and clinical director of the Brain Performance Center and has studied the, hu- the human behavior for over 30 years. Today we're going to be focusing on her work in the brain injury community. So thank you so much for, us, for joining us,
2: Lee. and I'm so excited to have you here again. Thanks for having me back. absolutely. Welcome to BindWays, the official podcast of the Brain Injury Network of Dallas. I'm Brian White, Bind's Executive Director. On each episode, we'll be providing insight into the brain injury community. We'll be talking to members and professionals regarding their stories and the important role of Bind's Clubhouse. We work as a team to inspire hope community and a sense of purpose to survivors, caregivers, and the public. Thank you for tuning in Divine Ways. Let's get on with the show.
0: Um, so we we were kind of creepers and trying to look into you and see, learn some more <laughs> about you before we met you to be a little bit ready. And we actually were a little bit uh, wondering about your experience studying organizational and human behavior.
2: Can you explain that to us? Well, I started out in the human resource world. And that's where I lived for almost 20 years and got an MBA. And within that MBA, I brought in some of that organizational change work and really enjoyed that because when the work that I was doing was really in human resources, was a lot in the strategic replacement of people in the right job, you know, because I worked for Exxon and when they were starting the joint ventures and a lot of it was R&D. And when you've got... A square peg and you're trying to fit it in a round hole it doesn't fit very well <laughs> okay. so i enjoyed that and that's something actually that still i want to go back to i'm completing my phd i've completed all the coursework and i'm in the middle of writing my dissertation and i want to bring in that aspect of human behavior and brain behavior because mental health is brain health and the mm-hmm. brain is an organ just like the heart is
1: Oh, okay. No, that's true. And so and that kind of brings us around to the Brain Performance Center. So tell us a little bit, For in our first episode we learned a little bit why, but tell us a little bit more, you know, how you, why you founded the Brain Performance Center and how long it's been around.
2: So the Brain Performance that's a mouthful. The Brain <laughs> Performance Center started in 2009, and it really has evolved. It started out under a medical model, And it evolved more into a behavioral health model. And that part of that is that I operate that business under the license of of a professional counselor. And that's really more where my expertise is. And I enjoy that because it doesn't matter to me. Everybody comes at, at life. We all have problems. And whether it's anxiety, depression, there's four things that puts a brain in a dysregulated state. One is genetics. Second is physical head trauma, which is the avenue that I know very well. Mm. The third is emotional trauma. And the fourth is stress. And I think one thing that I've learned in the last three years is we have all been introduced to stress on a whole new level. So we true. had to couldn't okay. go to school, couldn't go to work, couldn't go to church, couldn't go to the gym. We were socially isolated.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that really had a big impact on our mental, on our psychological well-being and it's interesting to me because when you look at I want to help people I want to help people on an individual level but the reason I've got went back for the PhD is I want to help people on a, on a different level on an organizational level because so many times client will say you know if I don't get my stuff together and if I don't get where I'm there quit being absent I know I'm going to get fired mm-hmm. and okay. it's just it's just the anxiety about getting there that's holding it back. But they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to talk about mental health. Right. Now, I'm not mentally retarded. It's not mental health. It's brain health. Mm-hmm. And I, to every single one of our listeners, I want to ask you a question. If you thought there was something wrong with your heart, what would you do? You'd yeah. find a cardiologist and you'd be in that office as quick as you could. You get up in the morning and you don't really feel like getting up, you've got that negative talk going on in your brain. And what do you do? Well, you probably tell yourself, power through it, mm-hmm. right. suck it up buttercup. <laughs> and those, those are negative conversations. And those aren't the conversations you should be having with yourself. Right? Yeah, that's so true. Um, and right, right now you've been talking about
0: the brain performance center. Like, What you've talked about right now is, like, a lot of different tools to use and what people should be doing, like, more positivity. Um, But can you give us a little explanation about what the center offers? And can anyone do that? Or do you have to have, like, a brain injury or, you know?
2: Oh, no. Anybody can. And and a lot of people want to just take... I wrote a book, Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On, because that's where it all starts is in your brain. The first thing that we do, whether you come in for peak performance or to increase your executive functioning or anxiety, depression, whatever it is, we'll do an assessment and we'll look at the brain two ways. One, we'll look at the neuroplasticity in the brain. Neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to change. Sometimes that brain gets stuck. Mm -hmm. And the same things mentioned earlier that put the brain in a dysregulated state will get that brain stuck. So we use lens, low energy neural feedback, and we'll do a a brain map and we'll see, can that brain absorb the really low level of energy that's going in? And the good news is, is if it can't, you can train the brain to be able to do that. Then we'll do a QEEG, we'll stick a cap on your head, and that cap's got built-in sensors, and we'll record 20 minutes worth of data. 10 minutes eyes open and 10 minutes eyes closed. From that, the gold standard is to get one good minute of each. And it can be harder than you think, because if you blink a lot, or if you have mm-hmm. jaw tension, you can see all of that in the brain waves. So once we get, we do that, I'll take that data, and I'll go through it, and I'll identify the good, the good minute and we compare that to a normative database and it'll show you where your brain is dysregulated, where it has too much of something, where it doesn't have enough. We look at the power in the brain. We look at the 1 to 30 hertz and that's what you use in your normal daily life. The people with a too much slow wave, particularly if you have it frontal, you may have a hard time paying attention Fifteen years ago, if you would have said ADHD to me and I knew what it was by then, I would have said, oh, too much slow wave frontal." But we've learned so much more about the brain. We don't just look at the power, we look at the coherence. And that's how the brain shares information. Sometimes it shares too much, sometimes doesn't share enough. Doesn't matter, it's just dysregulated. The same with the phase, the timing. Sometimes it's too fast, sometimes it's too slow doesn't matter, it's just dysregulation. And you can train all of those aspects of the brain. So once we have the data analyzed, we use it to identify what networks and hubs in the brain are the most dysregulated. There's an anxiety network. There's a default mode, which is connection to self. There's an executive function network, which relates to depression. There's so, when you think about your brain, Think about a computer. Mm -hmm. It is. And here's a a true fact that's amazing. Every second, your brain is capable of taking in 11 million bits of data. Research shows that somewhere between 40 and 126, you can hold that on a conscious level in your mind. The rest goes to your subconscious. Personally, I think it's 40. I don't think it's 126. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. We don't have to do the math. It all goes to your subconscious. And the cool thing about neurofeedback is it can touch the subconscious. When you calm that brain down, the subconscious calms down and can start to let go of things. They don't matter quite so much. That ruminating thought that you've had playing in your head every day for the last year stops talking.
1: And that, I read a lot about that, and you just said it again, so that gave me my key to kind of ask it. So neurofeedback. I'm, try, I'm trying to see if I understand that correctly. You kind of, is that the, when you're talking about the 10 minutes, eyes off, the EKG, That is that where you're talking about neurofeedback? Or? Well, that
2: is the basis for neurofeedback. Okay. With, when you do whole brain training, you put that cap back on your head, and we train for 20 minutes. We do four or five minute rounds, but you're looking at a screen, and it doesn't matter what's on the screen. You know, little kids love YouTube. Adults <laughs> perform more like Netflix or Amazon. But whatever you're watching on that screen, when your brain is changing the way it's wiring and firing to hit the thresholds that we set, the picture stays really bright and colorful.
1: Okay, so it's kind of like seeing, making sure the
2: neurons are making sense. It's making sure the neurons and dendrites change the way they're wiring and firing. Okay, Ooh, yeah. interesting. And it's creating, when you take medication, mm-hmm. you can change the amount of like beta that you have in your head. You can do it organically by training the brain. That's like how they taught Pavlov's dog. When okay. We, it's the same thing except on steroids. <laughs> but the brain knows it's getting the feedback that it's doing the right thing because the picture's staying bright.
0: Oh wow, interesting! And I know that right now you're talking about like the work that you do at your um, at your center, but we also invited you to our podcast because we also heard that you have a podcast or a radio station. Can you tell us a little about that and what has inspired you to work on on also sharing information to
2: others? So I do in your head with Lee Richardson every Thursday, and I record it at, in a studio, and then it's played back afterwards. And it's just been a really fun way for me to meet a lot of people and to get the word out about the brain. I, You know, one of my favorite shows was a financial person that talked about finances. And we talked about the relationship that you have with your money. And you Uh do have a relationship with your money. Some people want to hang on to it. Some people want to spend it way before they ever get it. So I enjoy taking everything that's in everyday life and connecting it to the brain.
0: Yeah, so um, you have a podcast as well. Um, we also heard it's a radio. Is it well, both? Well,
2: it's, it's the same thing. Oh, okay. it's, it's And you can listen to it wherever you listen to any of your podcasts. It's just done at a radio, it's recorded at a radio station.
0: Oh, cool. Well, we'll also remind our, our listeners that you will be having all the resources on the description of our episode with Lee, so you'll make sure to have that. And I also want to remind us, all of our listeners that you'll be able to hear Waves on Thursday on Thursdays as well on all your favorite platforms. So um, that's interesting that you're talking about all the different things, talking
1: about brain. And that's, I mean kind of what we're trying to We're just trying to educate the world out there more about brain awareness. Because as you said earlier, it's not just about brain injury awareness. I mean, it's brain awareness because anxiety, mental health, all of that, you know. We just focus more on the brain injury side because that's where our lives have taken us.
2: So. Well, and a lot of people, once they've experienced that brain injury, they experience the other side. Because sure. it's so frustrating that you can't do what you used to do. No. And it's, it's so... It's a downer, and it's depressing. And yes. getting your head in the right spot is really important. And you, I encourage people, if it bothers you, talk about it. See a counselor. There's uh, contact bind. They, I'm sure they have resources that you can talk to. Talk to a pastor. Don't try to get your partner or your parents or a family member to fix it for you. Let them stay in their lane. Let them have the role that they have in your life.
1: Sure. Now, kind of going back to the brain performance center, so we talked about the resources how you start to figure out kind of maybe where the neuron feedback is or neurofeedback isn't working. Are there services that the brain center, brain performance center, actually offers to help whatever that area may be? And kind of what are those services?
2: Absolutely. Typically, we'll start with bioresonance therapy, and that's a biofeedback. And that focuses on the intercellular communication between the brain and the body. The body keeps score of everything (laughs) going on in the brain, and uh, the brain controls everything you do, but the autonomic nervous system controls the body. And when the autonomic nervous system gets out of balance and it doesn't take much, that window of tolerance is pretty small, then you go to that fight, flight, or freeze state. So the bioresidency therapy is really good at calming the autonomic nervous system down and the brain down. And then we'll do the lens neurofeedback to create the neuroplasticity. We also do neuromodulation. Once we know what your brain needs, we can send that to the brain, whether it's through pulsed electromagnetic frequencies or alternating current or direct current and the brain loves it. The brain's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I want that. <laughs> I want that. And the brain is called entrainment. The brain will try to mimic it and learn how to create it on its own. And then we'll we'll do the whole brain training, which is that we call neurofeedback. We'll also do we offer some coaching and some counseling along with it. Because once you get that subconscious calmed down, then you're really ready to process it on a conscious level
1: and do these tools work with brain injury survivors too because i mean we're basically what we're told is you have to go to therapy you have to go to this therapy and this therapy and this therapy and we discuss neuroplasticity all day long i know more about neuroplasticity than the normal person should know and that i mean it's an amazing the brain is amazing but are so are there additional tools you can teach us that maybe you know we've gone through all the speech and cognitive theory and it's a couple years down the road and we need to jumpstart our brain or maybe we feel like we're lacking, as you said in the earlier episode, you thought maybe it was just because you were getting older, but really it was something in the brain that needed a little...
2: It does. And the brain, you make a good point because your brain's not fully developed until you're in your mid to late 20s. The 30s are rocking. The 40s, you plateau. (laughs) The 50s, maybe you have some cognitive impairment. The 60s, it turns into cognitive decline. The 70s, it goes on and on and on. And it, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your life experience is. You can improve the way that your brain is working. You can teach the brain how to work in a regulated state.
0: Okay, and I think that was actually one of my questions. Um, I think, like Carrie was saying right now, like here, obviously for Bind Waves and the Bind Clubhouse, we really focus on brain injury, and we have most of our experiences are going to the hospital, going through recovery, and all of that. Um, How? Like, with the work that you do, when is it that we can partake in that? Like, is it after the hospital time? Or, like, when would be a better time to be doing something as, like, all the, the
2: services that you offer? I think the, the right time to do it is when you feel like, okay, I've plateaued. Mm-hmm. I've made all the improvement, you know, that I can make with, with doing what I've been doing. The
1: traditional therapy. What else
2: is there? Because yes. there's a lot, there's a lot more out there. And I encourage people, don't take the attitude, well, I just got to learn to live with it. I just got to accept it. Yeah. And if you want to do that, you certainly can. But you don't have to. You do not have to. And when you feel like you're ready, there's got to be another step that I want to take. Mm-hmm. That is when the Brain Performance Center can really be beneficial.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's what we're looking because, I mean... I didn't think, you know. I thought I was ready to start day one. You know, I was, well, first of all, I didn't think I had anything wrong with me, but that's a whole nother story. But yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. and and you make a good point there because acceptance is a big part of healing and recovery, and you've got to be willing to accept what where things are. Right. That doesn't mean they have to stay there. Sure, but you got to start with acceptance. Yes, I definitely agree. I had one more question, actually.
0: How did you hear about BIND? I know that you were just talking about it, but how did you hear about it?
2: Well, I believe it was through a client. The, actually, it was through Sally, the, a lady that works with me. When her son was in his recovery, she had had come out and worked a little bit with BIND. And it's something that brain injury has touched me on a professional basis, and it's just something that I, because I know, I know that the work that we do can help people that have had a brain injury, mm-hmm. but they don't know it. And unless you get out there and get connected, nobody will know it. Right. So that's kind of what, just saying, hey, guys, don't give up, know that, you know, know that you can take it to the next level, whatever that level is.
1: Yes. yes. I, I know one, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So... You've also written a book. Tell us a little bit about your book. And is it just one book or do you have
2: multiple books? It's one book and it's Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On. And I wrote that because the very first thing I do when people come to the Brain Performance Center is I do a consultation. And I would be listening to them and I'd say, well, gosh, sounds like there's some depression. Oh, no, 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 no. And automatically the eyes go to the floor. Or I would say, you know, i think you may have a little anxiety oh no 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 i'm not anxious and their their shoulders become their earrings <laughs> and i realize that people don't want to admit that they have these things because they think it's wrong right. and it, you know i'll tell everybody it's okay to not be okay you but don't stay in that not okay spot and that's really why i wrote the book as a, a general education to inspire people, to challenge and motivate people to know that there are things that they can do to help themselves.
0: I love it. I love the title of it. That was really good. (laughs) That's really good. Um, So I honestly, this has been really great episodes. I think the first book to learn about you personally and all of the work that you do now here in this episode, so it's awesome. I think you've shared so much great information and resources, so thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And thanks so much. I think I'm going to suggest a new book to the book club. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. And I would be happy to donate 20 books to the book club. Oh, well, fun. So. I really make a new suggestion. How about that? we
1: got so much excitement. never, never, never hurts so. to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so yeah. much for coming in thank you again and we'd like to thank our listeners for taking the time to listen to us and we hope that you have learned as much as we have had on this episode and if you want to contact us you can contact us, contact us at bindwaves at thebind.org or visit us on our website at thebind.org bindwaves and you can also find us on instagram
0: at guess what bindwaves and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on your favorite platform. And also, don't forget that we're also on YouTube. And you can continue listening to us every Thursday on there as well. So, until next time. Until next time.
1: We hope you've enjoyed listening to Bind
0: Ways and continue to support Bind in our nonprofit mission. We support brain injury survivors as they reconnect into the life, the community, and their workplace. We couldn't do that
1: without great listeners like you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Continue watching until next time.
0: Until next time. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, Visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com.